Welcome to the Uncomplicating Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Eva Rodriguez, proud Latina, single mom, and certified integrative nutrition, health, weight loss, and mindfulness coach. I'm passionate about teaching women how to balance being busy and healthy without complicated rules or restrictions. On this podcast, I'll be simplifying weight loss concepts and mindset shifts so that you can be confident in your curves. It won't always be easy, but it doesn't have to be complicated. I'm a little embarrassed to admit this now that I know better, but we're friends here. So I'm going to tell you a little story about my adventures with sugar that um, will put this episode into perspective and give you some context as to why I really wanted to do an episode on the effects that sugar has on your body, your health, your weight loss. So it was probably about four years ago and I was working in the city. I was working in DC. And so I'd park my car at the train station. I'd get onto the red line and there was a Starbucks right in between the train station and my office. So every morning I'd get my breakfast there. Every single morning I ordered a venti caramel frappuccino with two shots of espresso and a blueberry muffin every single morning. That was my breakfast. I didn't know shit about fuck when it came to health and nutrition, obviously. But when I finally started my health journey and I looked at how much sugar I was consuming at eight in the morning, I was ashamed and appalled. There are 72 grams of sugar in a venti frappuccino and 20 grams of sugar in a blueberry muffin. I was starting my day with 92 grams of sugar. That's 22 teaspoons. That's how clueless I was. And I didn't see anything wrong with any of this because no one ever taught me what a proper breakfast should look like. So according to the American Heart Association, the maximum amount of added sugars that you should eat in a day for women are 100 calories per day, which equals 25 grams or six teaspoons. I was starting my day with 22 teaspoons of sugar. 22. And I'm pretty sure I was eating sugar throughout the day too. Like at two o'clock in the afternoon, I probably went to the store to get like a chocolate bar or something. I don't remember those details, but I just remember that's how I started my mornings. And I think that because I wasn't, quote, fat or visibly overweight, I didn't see anything wrong with my eating habits. The damage was being done internally. I was unhealthy as fuck, but I didn't look fat, so I didn't think about it because, well, I had no idea what healthy truly meant. There are so many things that I didn't know about healthy versus unhealthy, and that's exactly why this podcast exists. Because I know that there are a lot of women who are in the same exact boat that I was in just a few years ago. Too busy to sit down and eat breakfast, so you're eating breakfast on the go, grabbing the quickest thing from the coffee shop, and not really thinking about the nutritional value and what you're putting in your mouth. Because unless you study this stuff, it's not necessarily readily available. and I know a lot of women who, just like me back then, aren't what society may deem as overweight, 
but does that mean you're healthy? And it's not until your body starts to show you that you're not making the best choices, whether it's by getting sick or gaining weight or stalling on your weight loss that you realize, oh shit, maybe I need to change something. But what if you don't know where to start? And that's why we're here today. You may very well be where I was and maybe it's your sugar intake that you're not even aware of. When it comes to sugar, I've always had a sweet tooth. When I crave for things, it's rarely salty foods. It's almost always sugary foods. And it makes sense to me now, now that I know what I know. But before I became a health coach, I was completely clueless. I had no idea that sugar was as addictive as cocaine. I know this sounds a bit dramatic, but it's true. Sugar actually qualifies as an addictive substance for two reasons. Number one, eating even a small amount creates a desire for more. And number two, suddenly quitting sugar causes withdrawal symptoms like headaches, mood swings, cravings, and fatigue. I also had no idea that sugar could cause bloating and inflammation. I had no idea that sugar could cause brain fog. I had no idea that sugar could cause wrinkles. And I had no idea that low-fat foods, you know, those diet foods that you see everywhere being touted as healthier options that help you lose weight, you know, those 100-calorie snacks and all that, often contain even more sugar than the whole food version. Sugar is added to these foods to make it taste closer to the original version. That's why diet foods are actually really unhealthy and you should absolutely avoid those. And even though maybe common sense will tell us that the obvious foods like cake, cookies, candy are high in sugar, there's also the foods that we don't think about that can be high in sugar, but you wouldn't really know unless you know what to look out for because it's disguised and labeled with other names that not everybody knows to look for. But don't worry, I'll tell you what those names are shortly. But first, The purpose of this episode is not to tell you that in order to lose weight, you need to quit sugar. I don't believe in that line of thinking unless you're genuinely addicted to sugar, in which case avoiding it altogether is the healthiest choice for you. It's important to figure out the sugar intake that's right for you because some people can handle a little bit of sugar in their diet while others, it causes cravings and binge eating and rapid weight gain and disease. We're all bio-individuals, so you really need to figure out what works for you. And if you're completely unaware of how sugar is actually affecting you, the most powerful thing that I've found when I work with my private clients is keeping a food journal. Try this for at least two weeks, taking note of everything you eat and how it makes you feel afterwards, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Trust me, you will be surprised at what you find. Even my most skeptical clients have had epiphanies doing this. If you're looking to get healthy and drop some pounds, you do need to be aware of your sugar intake and possibly make some adjustments because when it comes to nutrition, overconsumption of sugar is one of the main reasons people are not losing weight, especially that belly fat. Excess sugar consumption has been associated with obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, certain cancers, tooth decay, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, just to name a few. The good thing is that you can control this. So knowledge is power. 
I'm going to talk briefly about how sugar affects our digestion, our brain, and our hormones. And then I'm going to give you some tips on how to cut back on your sugar intake. So what does sugar do to your digestion? Obviously, healthy digestion is crucial for looking and feeling your best. It's an essential part of the detoxification process, as well as ensuring that your body gets all the nutrients that it needs from the foods that you eat. When your digestion is inhibited or not working as it should be, your whole body suffers the effects. Sugar's effect on the digestive system has less to do with the system's mechanical functions and more to do with the inhabitants that keep things working the way they should. And these inhabitants are known as your gut microbiome. These are the little bacteria that live in your gut and they're linked to more than just your digestive health. These little microbes are essential for a healthy immune system and your hormonal balance. When the bad bacteria in your gut outnumber the good, your inner ecosystem loses balance and the results are poor digestion, yeast overgrowth, parasites, and more serious digestive issues like leaky gut syndrome or irritable bowel syndrome. Even minor symptoms like gas, bloating, and skin problems all link back to an imbalance in the gut microbiome. Sugar is the main culprit that throws off this delicate internal balance. Sugar feeds the bad bacteria and makes them thrive. So the bad bacteria is literally having a party in your body. Imagine them having a rave and they're super high off of sugar. That's what's happening. Now, what does sugar do to your brain? Think about this. Have you ever been in one of those midday slumps where you can't really seem to think straight? It's like two, three o'clock in the afternoon and you naturally reach for that sugar-laden latte or a muffin or a candy bar from the candy machine or the cafeteria in your building or, you know, if you work from home, the hidden stash that you may or may not have. Um, This is also known as brain fog. Too much sugar in your diet can actually impair the function of the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain responsible for memory and coping with stress. So when sugar is your primary fuel source, Not only is it damaging you on a physiological level, but it's also impairing your higher mental functioning. Using sugar or refined carbohydrates as a pick-me-up creates a vicious cycle. The effects of sugar wear off quickly, and then the low energy returns with a vengeance. And now let's talk about how sugar affects your hormones. Think about how you feel before your period. If you generally feel like shit, If your mood's all over the place, your sleep is disturbed, it's likely that the amount of sugar in your diet is having an effect on your hormones, which cause these symptoms to manifest. The most powerful hormone in the body is insulin. Insulin and sugar are obviously very intimately linked. Sugar causes insulin to spike. These effects mean the ratio of estrogen to progesterone, known for keeping us calm and happy, is way too high which leads to irritability, anxiety, insomnia, and more. Sugar can also affect our adrenal health. Adrenal fatigue is one of the most common hormonal imbalances in women, probably because we do so much and are often under chronic stress. Adrenal health is pivotal for ensuring that your hormones are working as they should. Well, sugar robs the adrenal glands of the nourishment that they need, and it creates even more stress in your body. The number one best way to cut back on sugar is actually to limit your intake of highly processed foods. 
I mentioned this in the episode where I discussed how I lost 20 pounds in 2020. One of the fastest ways that I noticed the weight completely dropping off of me was when I stopped eating processed foods and I started cooking more. There's so much being packed in these processed foods to make them not only last longer, but also taste good. And this is a really simple approach because it doesn't require you to count calories or macros or obsessively read all your food labels. It's just honestly making a more conscious decision to eat whole foods, to eat more foods that are nature-made and less foods that are man-made, basically. But I know some people aren't able to just completely go from mostly eating processed foods to all of a sudden switching to eating more natural whole foods. And that's okay. It might take you some time. You may need to work your way up to that. So if that's the case for your lifestyle, here are some tips to help you make some healthier choices. Number one, know that sugar has many names. And these names include sugar, sucrose, high fructose corn syrup, dehydrated cane juice, fructose, glucose, dextrose, syrup, cane sugar, raw sugar, corn syrup, and there's a lot more. Notice that a lot of these names end with OS, O-S-E. So if you see that, it's sugar. Number two, check the ingredient list. I'm not huge on like read every single label on every single thing that you buy at the grocery store. I know some health coaches are. Um, that just feels very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, strict? You know, I don't like anything with strict in it. Restrictions. <laughs> strict. <laughs> I just don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But you should be aware of what you're eating, right? So check the ingredient list, right? You don't have to obsess over it, but if the ingredient list of a packaged food that you're thinking to buy contains sugar in the first three ingredients or more, or more than one type of sugar, consider avoiding it. Number three, be aware of the quote, healthy high sugar foods. Some of these foods that are labeled as healthy can still fall into the same category. And these include agave, honey, organic cane sugar. Just because it's organic, <laughs> right, doesn't mean it's healthier. And coconut sugar. Now, this doesn't mean, again, avoid all of these things. It's just be aware of how much of this is being added into the foods that you're consuming. It's really important also to make the distinction between added sugars and sugars that occur naturally in foods like fruits and vegetables. These foods contain water, fiber, and various micronutrients. They're naturally occurring sugars, and those are absolutely fine. But the same does not apply to added sugar. That's a very important key distinction that we have to keep in mind. It's the added sugars that are making a lot of people unknowingly unhealthy. Added sugar is the main ingredient in candy and it's abundant in processed foods and soft drinks and baked products. The most common added sugars are regular tables, which is also known as sucrose, and high fructose corn syrup. To lose weight and optimize your health, do your best to avoid foods that contain added sugars and refined sweets. Bottom line. So here are 10 simple ways that you can start to limit your sugar intake in your diet. Number one, limit your soft drinks. A single 12 ounce can of soda contains as much as eight teaspoons of sugar. Number two, limit fruit juices. 
fruit juices contain the same amount of sugar as soft drinks. So choose whole fruit or even canned fruit with no additional sweetening instead. Number three, limit candies and sweets. Try to limit your consumption of sweets as much as you can. I'm not saying forever. I'm not saying never eat sweets again. But if you consume every day, let's maybe start with instead of every day, maybe every other day, maybe twice a week, maybe just on the weekends, but try to limit as much as you can. Number four, limit your baked goods as well. Same as with candies and sweets. And these include cookies, cakes, pies, because they tend to be very high in sugars and refined carbohydrates and they're empty calories. Number five, limit low fats or diet foods. Foods that have had the fat removed from them are often very high in sugar. Number six, try having a savory breakfast instead of a sweet breakfast. Having a sweet breakfast will actually set you up all day long for sugar cravings. So something like an omelet, or if you're like me and you don't like eggs, try avocado toast on Ezekiel bread. Number seven, use applesauce instead of sugar when you're baking. And this can also help save hundreds of calories as well. Just make sure you look online for the conversion, right? So like one cup of sugar to how much applesauce, I don't know. So make sure you Google that so you don't mess up your recipe and then you blame Eva because I didn't tell you to do that. without looking up the conversion first. Number eight, make your own salad dressing. And this is super simple, balsamic vinegar and olive oil. It's really delicious and it's way healthier because a lot of packaged dressings are full of hidden sugars. Number nine, drink water instead of soda or juices and don't add sugar to your coffee or your teas. Number 10, Consider trying natural zero calorie alternatives to sugar like stevia and monk fruit. Those are two of my favorites. Not the artificial sweeteners that I'm about to tell you about because I cannot do an episode about sugar without talking about artificial sweeteners and diet sodas. And oh hell, another embarrassing confession. So that's going to be number two (laughs) from your formerly clueless podcast host. I used to drink diet sodas all day long with smug pride, thinking that I was, quote, being healthy. Uh, P.S. Diet sodas, not healthy. The main artificial sweeteners that you've likely seen out and about are aspartame, which is sold under brand names NutraSweet and Equal. There's saccharin, which is sold under the brand name of Sweet and Low. Sucralose, sold under the brand name Splenda. And then there's Neotame, which is an artificial sweetener that's used in diet soft drinks and low-calorie foods. When I started learning about the effects that artificial sweeteners have on our body, I was shocked. Shocked enough to stop consuming them. Some symptoms that have been associated with the consumption of aspartame include headaches, blurred vision, memory loss, anxiety attacks, fatigue, nausea, eye problems, gastrointestinal disorders, PMS, increased appetite, dizziness, insomnia, depression, mood changes, menstrual irregularities. I mean, the list is scary. So if there's anything out here that I would actually suggest restricting, if I had to choose one thing, it would be artificial sweeteners. There's a lot of conflicting information about this, but the bottom line is that since they're man-made chemicals, our bodies just don't know what to do with them. So our brain and our body gets confused. 
we want our brain and our body to be functioning at optimal levels. So if there's something you can control, and in this case, you can absolutely control what you put in your food and what you put in your mouth, make the best choices for your body and for your brain. I'm a firm believer in moderation versus restriction. It's the whole premise of this whole show. So sure, a small amount of added sugar can be included in a balanced diet, but excessive sugar intake, regardless of the source, can definitely negatively affect your health. Frequently eating added sugars may also mean excess calories are being consumed, which not only make you gain weight, but can also have a major impact on the hormones that help regulate your blood sugar, your appetite, and ultimately leading to your body storing fat and making you susceptible to diseases that are serious, but more importantly, preventable. So it's really important that you approach your health journey in a proactive and preventative manner. And by listening to this podcast, you're doing just that. You're taking your health and your well-being into your hands. And you should be proud of yourself for that. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to submit them through my Submit a Question portal. I'm happy and honored to guide you through this journey. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning in this week and trusting that none of this has to be complicated. At the end of the day, I want you to feel empowered to know that you can have the health, the body, and the life that you desire. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and tag me on Instagram while listening at It's Eva Rodriguez so that I can support you along your journey. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.